It is the 200 level episode 295, Mike Carpenter in the basement, and things are good. It's been an amazing fall, hasn't it? And I was driving back from Louisville today, had a really great day, and I'll get into that in a second. Always helps when Illinois wins. It always helps when you have a great rock and roll show. And when you combine the two in one day, for me, that is a perfect 10 of a day. So I had one of those. On the way back today, there was a text. I stopped at this McDonald's halfway home to get a McDonald's Diet Coke, which if you're having a sleepy Sunday morning after a particularly raucous Saturday, something about a McDonald's Diet Coke just does the trick. I'm a coffee guy, but a McDonald's Diet Coke. Mm. Chef's kiss, as they say. So I stopped to get this, and I see in my text thread with Isaac and Trevor, Trevor made a point that got me thinking. He said, you know, it wasn't the most exciting game. I wasn't that tense. I didn't, you know, have a hard time falling asleep last night, despite the fact we're 7-1. and one. It was as ho-hum as you can get. And I reflected on that and thought, this is the new normal. And that's what I called this podcast because we're going to go a little more macro today. The Nebraska game, there are things to talk about, but really the bigger story is just that this is your reality now as a football program. This is where you are at. That's not to say that every year is going to be as magical as this one's been so far because it really has been. 7-1 and one with an all-time defense and uh, an efficient offense that yet again had the ball, I think, for 39 minutes yesterday, 38, 39 minutes, which is insane. But... The new normal is competent football and competent football that wins in this Big Ten. It doesn't hurt that when you look around at many of the teams that surround you that they're flailing and trying to figure their stuff out. And meanwhile, here you are in year two of the Brett Bielema era and you're already feeling like you're firmly established. And in this name, image, likeness climate that we're in, Transfer Portal, It feels like you have a better chance now, more than ever, of sustaining this. I mean, it's remarkable to think that in the last 13 games, Illinois under Brett Bielema is 10-3 and in the last 13 games. The best 13-game stretch you've had since the Rose Bowl when you went 9-3 and and then ultimately 9-4. and I mentioned that this team to me feels a lot more like 2001. And the record would bear that out the first time you were 7-1 since 2001. But boy, there's something about this team that gives me a lot more confidence that going forward, this is going to sustain itself. And that the new normal is what we saw yesterday. That when you play teams that are less than you, it may not be the sexiest win, but it's a win nonetheless. What I'm also finding out is that style points really don't matter when it comes to how good you feel about a win. I think about the Iowa game when you won 9-6. to I think about the Minnesota game when you won by 12. So it wasn't a gaudy margin, though the, the box score indicated it was a, pretty much a blowout. Same thing with yesterday, where you won 26-9, 17-point victory, three possessions. That's impressive for any road win, let alone uh, in, a, in an environment like their Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska. But to me, what's most exciting is that I'm enjoying even the pedestrian, or as Jeremy called it, workmanlike wins. This was workmanlike. I don't think there's a better term to describe it. In fact, Jeremy asked Brett Bielema that question yesterday, and Bielema acknowledged, yeah, that's, that's a great word for it. This team just went into a tough environment with a team that was desperate for a win to keep their season alive or keep their bowl aspirations alive. And really, if they would have beat Illinois, you would have had a temporary conversation about them hanging around the Big Ten West. 
that's all put to bed. Why? Because Illinois took care of business. When I had a podcast Wednesday or Thursday before this Nebraska game, excuse me, voice cracking, that won't be the last time it does that, this this podcast. When I was thinking about what to call Wednesday or Thursday's podcast, I was thinking business trip, something along those lines, because going into this Nebraska game, it was harder to find the overarching narrative. It was easier for Minnesota because we didn't know if DeVito would play or not. It was easy for Iowa because he hadn't beaten them since 2008. It was easy for Wisconsin because Bielema was returning home and so on and so forth. This Nebraska game was really just get in there and get out with a win. And I think we all agreed on that. I predicted a 38 to 20 win. So I got the margin basically right, but not the total points. I probably undersold this Illini defense because they are dominant. And this is after a pretty rocky first quarter by their standards. They were pretty much perfect in the second half. And they were pretty much perfect in the second quarter when you knock Casey Thompson out of the game and you kept getting stop after stop as your offense rattled off two consecutive touchdown drives to put you up 20 to nine and basically put the game over before halftime. But that that's what's remarkable is that last night after getting back from the concert, me and my buddy went to, I was trying to think, okay, well, I could watch some highlights or something like that on YouTube and I thought, nah, it's okay. You know, this game was what it was, and it's not one that is going to be a lasting memory. But I think when you start adding these together and you string wins along like this, you appreciate the fact that this was not remarkable and that this was just a game that you went and you took care of. It's almost like a culture win. And I don't know if that's premature to say that as we're only a year and a half into the Brett Bielema thing, but... This is a culture win in that this team went down 9-6 to six on the road. This team that has not really played with success for much of their careers, the older guys on this team, they were here when Lovey was here. They don't know what consistent success feels like until they're living it right now. And that the culture has been turned around so quickly that they went in there like a program that's been winning for 10, 15 years and just got it done. The shoe was on the other foot, right? Nebraska, I know they've struggled in the last 20 years by their standards, but even the Bo Pelini era, they were winning nine games a year. This is the kind of game that they would have won back in 2010, 2011, or for that matter, when Scott Frost and Lovey Smith were going head-to-head and they put up, what, 700 yards against us? And it's just a remarkable reversal of fortune that here we were in a traditional college football powerhouses stadium, and... Instead of their crazy 90,000 plus kind of turning the tables against us, getting us on our heels, we go down nine to six and what do we do? Immediately respond. I tweeted out when going down nine to six and I, oddly enough, when we blocked the extra point to keep it nine to six instead of 10 to six, I, I felt better and thought all things considered, you should be in a worse position than you are right now. I thought nine to six was actually fairly favorable because you played your worst quarter in some time, probably your worst since the Indiana game. And I, as a fan, was battling those demons that were leading me back down to that Friday night in early September when I thought, oh God, here we go. Well, the team didn't. They were fine. They were cool as could be. And what do they do? They go out and they immediately respond and they take control of the game right then and there. I think I even tweeted out after you hurt Casey Thompson, you were up 13 to nine at that point. You hurt the quarterback. You get it back. You go down for a touchdown. I mean, what a, re- what a remarkable change in momentum 
in just about a minute of game time. But that's what this team does. They demoralize the opposition. And think about how many times, as an Illini fan, you have been demoralized because our guys couldn't stop the opposing team or our guys couldn't get the first down conversions. You're doing all those things. You're doing all of those consistently. And we're left in a position where the only criticisms we can have are basically nitpicky. And we have those that we can talk about. Barry Lunny, I thought, had a very bad first quarter and a game that ultimately it worked out because of the time of possession, yardage gained, you were efficient. But I still questioned early on why you weren't really asserting your will. It all worked out, though. This is nitpicky. It's amazing to do that when you're 7-1, and one, have some valid criticisms, but recognize that the overall job by this coaching staff is second to none. Before I hit the sponsors, you know, Jeremy brought this up on his podcast with Joey from yesterday, was listening to that on my way back. It is extension time. It is. It's time to just get the extension done. I think Bielema wants to be here. Let's just lock him down. And it can be midseason. I don't think that's a problem. I think you did something similar with Ron Zook after the regular season and before the Rose Bowl. And you live to regret it a little bit, but Bielema has the track record where Ron Zook doesn't. And don't you feel more confident that this has staying power? And while you're at it, just go ahead and throw money at to Ryan Walters. And if he wants to test the waters, fine and understandable. But he is the best defensive coordinator in the nation. I mean, there's is there any doubt? You are top five in every major statistical category. I think number one in scoring defense still, number one in pass efficiency defense. And yet again yesterday, I I absolutely love watching this defense. The bloodlust I get with the violence they play with. And then you couple that with an offense that just, oh, kind of sleepily, they just go through their thing. And before you know it, they got 30 first downs and they've had the ball for 38 minutes. It's hard to beat teams that can do that. And I'm going to get into a major prediction. And actually, do me a favor, chat window, because what I did not take notes for this podcast. So if you can remind me, Carp, reveal your major prediction after the sponsors. Okay, I'm going to tease that. Major prediction. Don't let me forget, YouTube viewers. And by the way, thank you all, 26 of you, so far on this kind of cloudy, misty Sunday afternoon where I had this fear of waking up this morning after partying at a rock show, and God, wouldn't it suck if you had that fun, but then you wake up and, oh, you would have lost to Nebraska, and then you have a cloudy, rainy drive home from Louisville, which is a three-and-a-half-hour trip. Not bad, but it's some distance, and how much it would suck. But, dude, it doesn't matter what the weather is like. When Illinois is winning, everything is just sunny, and everything's great. And here I am on this Sunday afternoon, as we approach November, just giddy. I don't know if there's a better word for it. I'm slap-happy. I'm giddy. It got my evening off on the perfect footing and knowing that I was going to see a great concert anyways, but coupling that with the fact that we have a 7-1 football team that is in the driver's seat to win a Big Ten West title. Unbelievable. So don't let me forget this. Thank you a uh, few in the yeah YouTube live viewers. You, you're keeping me on my toes. I appreciate that. Quick word for our sponsors. DP Doe online at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices. dpdoe.com. You can order a custom zone with any topping you want or get one of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone. Order online at dpdoe.com. They can deliver it right to your doorstep. Piping hot calzones. And maybe after the 230 kick against Michigan State, and boy, are we going to talk about Michigan State today, you can order a celebratory calzone after Illinois goes to 8-1 and one on the season. Why not? dpdo.com. Also, got to thank Rector Construction. Online at R-E-C-T-O-R construction.com for all your home exterior projects. 
expert craftsmanship, great customer service. These guys are townies as well when they give back to their community, so I can appreciate that as a townie myself. Go online to rectorconstruction.com, that's R-E-C-T-O-R-Construction.com, and get a free quote for your next home exterior project. That's rectorconstruction.com. Hey, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, it is sweatshirt weather. It really is. This this is the last week of an Indian summer, which means cooler temperatures are approaching and they will stay, and you need to make sure your furnace is tip-top shape. So give them a call today at 217-841-4728 and schedule a furnace checkup with Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. Matthew was the technician that came to service our furnace. It is ro- It is roaring and ready to go when we need it. It'll give you some peace of mind to know that the experts at Dogtown have checked it out and it's ready to go for the presumably cooler months ahead. I'm loving this warmer weather right now, though. That is Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing at 217-841-4728. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. Finally, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen. Online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well. We've had homeowners and auto from Brian for two plus years now. Sure, we'll see him in the lots on Saturday for a full day of tailgating. And as we get into basketball season, I'll remind him of this. He had talked to me about it. Popping down here and doing maybe some of these second half podcasts during basketball season. But Brian's the goods. So is his staff. They make things so easy. And of course, you get great State Farm prices as well. So that is brianismyguy.com. Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. If you haven't already, rate and review us, if you could, at Apple Podcast or Spotify. It helps us move up the charts, so to speak. So when someone looks for an Alana football podcast or Alana basketball podcast, they see our podcast towards the top. So I think other than Alana Inquirer, we're number two. There's a lot of options out there. I want to thank you all for helping us grow this thing because we've been doing the 200 level. We started the football season of 2019. Call that a most consequential year. And they ended up going to a bowl game, but this is just far and away something I've not experienced for 20 plus years. And to piggyback the on-field success with the feeling that we have a head coach that will be able to keep this rolling, and that's not a flash in the pan, is all the more exciting and, and comforting in a weird way. I know we don't like to say the word comfortable, because we've had the rug pulled out from us before, but I am fairly comfortable with where things are going. Thank you all for reminding me to not forget my major prediction. Here's my major prediction. Trevor was the first one to pose this in our text thread with me, Trevor, and Isaac. But I agree. Illinois is winning out. I really think they are. The way Michigan's playing does not dissuade me from that. And yes, this is assuming that the toughest game remaining on your schedule, as we all know, in the regular seasons at Michigan. It's a toss-up. And I know predictions are really more for fun than anything. There's not much scientific evidence that I could put out there that, you know, I guarantee that they're going to win out. Of course, that's not how it works. Things have to fall into place, but it does appear to me that this team is on the path to winning out. If you were to, like Jay Lehman has said before, and I've kind of echoed this, if you were to take the names off the jerseys, and just go with the blind Pepsi challenge, right? Who's playing the best right now? After Ohio State, it's Illinois. I know Penn State, they competed yesterday. That's what they tend to do for a while at home. But they're they're a mess in their own ways. And they really let Ohio State take control in the fourth quarter. And Ohio State may just be that damn good. They might be. But you don't need to worry about that until maybe December 3rd. Michigan is 
like a carbon copy of you. Think about it. Great defense, stud running back, efficient quarterbacking. It's going to be a classic up there. It's going to be a great game. I think that it's just going to come down to one possession. And I trust Tommy DeVito. I... When I'm making this prediction, what I'm really going with is the idea that Tommy DeVito is more than just a game manager. There was a moment yesterday where he scrambled and got, he scrambled for a couple first downs. So he's looking healthy as ever. And there was that late hit from the Nebraska guy. And that gets the, gets the anger going a little bit. And you see that how the team rallied around him. But what, what's even more impressive, how they kept their cool and didn't get a retaliatory flag when that Nebraska bonehead did that. They kept their cool. That's a disciplined team. They have a leader. I'm buying stock in the intangible qualities of a guy like Tommy DeVito, a quarterback. And that that can make a difference when you find yourselves in a tight game in Ann Arbor. And on top of that, this defense, it's relentless. It's elite. I mean, that's a word that we often are a little bit leery of, and I know Jeremy's been leery of using that, but they are elite. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the eye test. They impose their will, and they might let you get an early drive. When it was 9-6, to six, I thought, oh, God, is this going to be the Indiana repeat? Well, they quickly figured things out, didn't they? And it's not just that they play with violence, but they know how to ratchet it up without going overboard and falling into stupid penalties. And he got Chase Brown. Oh, and by the way, Caleb Griffin. How about that? You, you were kicking it out of the end zone now. He would have had a 50-yarder, and I know the play clock was at one, so while that was frustrating at the time, uh, it helped build his confidence. He said as much after the game yesterday. To me, this is a team that looks better than every opponent left on their schedule. The only reason that we would say Michigan would be favored in that game, well, the only reasons, one, it's at Michigan. I think if it were at Illinois, you're looking at like a a two-and-a-half, three-and-a-half point spread. It's going to be at Michigan, so you're probably looking at a six and a half, seven and a half point spread when we get to that game. Maybe more, maybe more, but I would imagine that it would tighten up based on betting. And of course, I'm drinking the orange Kool-Aid. There's no doubt about that, but they've given me reasons to drink the Kool-Aid. So I agree wholeheartedly with Trevor. I think they're winning out. I think they're going to go 11 and one. I think that, of course, gets them to Indy, where you have a what the hell kind of moment. And another reason I think the Michigan game, and we can look ahead to this while I know the team will not, because you still have these two home games, and we'll get to Michigan State, which, (laughs) good God, um, have fun with Mel Tucker, guys, for another nine years and $95 million, whatever it is. And then Purdue. There's still Purdue, and I'm not taking that game for granted. However, why would I doubt this team now? They've given me no reason to doubt them, and they've been spectacular at home. They really have been. So with that in mind, let's say you win the next two and you're 9-1 and one going into Ann Arbor on November 19th. Man, if there's such a thing as house money, I know Joey Wagner said this this morning and I thought, I thought that's it. That's exactly it. The mental aspect of a game like that I think is absolutely crucial because the two teams that will be on the field right now are playing about neck and neck. Michigan, of course, has a higher ranking and deservedly so based on what they did last year and all the guys they returned. We are the new dog in town. Or the new kid in town. New dog in town? That's not even a phrase. We are the new kid in town, and yet don't discount how many veterans there are in this Illinois team. It just seems to me that it's right here in front of us. We see it. They're winning out. They are. I've been really kind of 
not hedging my bets, but trying to not get ahead of myself. I waited to talk about Indy until after they beat Minnesota, but I knew they were going to beat Minnesota. Okay. I hesitated to even talk about the Michigan game, but then it's, well, it's right there in front of us. We got two home games, very winnable games, and then you got the Michigan game. Now, I understand the inclination as an Illini fan to think, wait a second, Carp, we, we've done this, we've gotten really pumped and excited, and then we get the rug pulled out from under us. And this being sports, of course there's the possibility, and I was just as happy as anything else yesterday that you got out of Lincoln healthy. To me, it was, you won, you're healthy, fantastic. So with four games left, there's not another team on this schedule that I look at that certainly scares me. But more importantly, I just think Illinois is better than the four teams remaining on the schedule. I think you have a better quarterback. I think your defenses are awash. And frankly, if you were to put this Illinois defense in Michigan clothing, they'd be getting that much more pub. I just think it's right there. I really do. And I'm going to check the YouTube live feed and see if I'm the only one that thinks that Bobo brings this up. Tommy's on pace to destroy the Illinois record for single season completion percentage held, held by Kurt Kittner. And as big Tota says, 20 of 22, isn't just a game manager. And that's just it. Big Tota is that and Bobo, right? Yes. It's not just game managing. Tommy DeVito is spectacular. He's really, really good. And add his on field performance with the intangible quality he brings as a leader, I think that's what you need to win in Ann Arbor. I'm going to wake up that day thinking, we're going to win this damn game. And of course, I'll be disappointed if we lose. It wouldn't be debilitating. As long as you go up there and look the part, you're still the fun, sexy story in college football, even if you're 9-2 and two when you leave Ann Arbor. But I think at this point, I'm sorry, you're 10-1 and one when you leave Ann Arbor. So I'll throw that out there because predictions are fun and we can always look silly later on. But I'm buying it. I'm buying it. I think we are by default whenever we say, well, let's just see what happens in Michigan. We're saying that by default because we know what Michigan is historically and we know what Michigan has done to Illinois historically. But in a one-off game, the way these two teams are playing, right now I'm taking Illinois because I think strength versus strength, your defense is a little bit better. You got the better quarterback. The running backs are a wash at worst. You know, I, I'm a Chase Brown guy. Quorum is great. There's no doubt about that. And their number two back, whose name escapes me, he's better than our number two option right now. However, we got the guys. The, the question, if there were to be questions, linebacking is, they're getting the job done, but they're sandwiched in between a spectacular secondary and a dominant defensive line. Spectacular secondary, dominant defensive line. I love alliteration. The linebacking core is just doing their job. But We'll see if Michigan, I don't know what their tight end situation is like. I'm guessing they have at least a stud or two at tight end, which leads me to think there could be some mismatches there and that they can exploit certain things. And they, I think they still run that sort of pro-style Lloyd Carr Michigan offense because they have the, the horses that can do that. But yeah, I'm taking Illinois in that game. First things first, we need to take care of a few games at home. But I love the way this team plays at home. And you will have... I would assume your first sellout of the year and first sellout since did they did the North Carolina game for Lovey technically was that a sellout I'm not sure but first sellout at at least six years on Saturday is what I'm guessing will happen. All right, let's go to the YouTube live feed here. The money line for the MSU game, according to Bobo, money line is minus one thousand for Illinois. So that means you got to bet a thousand to win a hundred, right, Bobo? 
I think that's what it is, which means to say that Illinois is big-time favorites in that game. Over-under is 44-and-a-half, and Illinois anywhere between 14- and 16-point favorites. We will get into the MSU just fiasco. And my wife being an MSU grad and a buddy that's coming in for this game, I, I feel bad for them. I, I truly do because every Michigan State fan I've met, I've had pleasant experiences with. Obviously, I married one of them, but I've never had beef with Michigan State. And I know that, of course, D'Antonio had his issues. And Izzo, you know, he kind of annoys me at some points. And he has been able to sort of skirt Simone off-the-court issues. And then there was the Larry Nazar thing. Whoops. But all other than that, they seem like pretty nice people. No, I've been in the Michigan State campus. Uh, it's a cool spot. And I do appreciate where they are at in terms of their mentality. Being in a state where Michigan is boss. And they understand they are the redheaded stepchild, but they've really embraced that role and had a lot of success with it. So I I empathize with Michigan State fans, at least the ones that recognize how disastrous this coach is. Mel Tucker is a moron. I saw it as a Bears fan, and I, the minute that contract was given to him, I thought, yo, have fun with that. Have fun. Okay, so that was the major prediction. I did not forget that. Stephen Colbert says bold, and Kay Andrew says bold, but I'll be walking around smiling in stupor for months. Yeah, so would I. You know what this also does, when you think about it, is it gets you into this place that's really positive as a, a fan, where you can ride a positive wave for quite a while. This team goes 10-2, and two, which I think is the expectation for most at this point, and I think a fair expectation. And I would understand why the smart money would be on 10 and 2 over 11 and 1. But I think 11 and 1 is just as much a possibility as 9 and 3, you know, which is to say, I don't know, 9 and 3, it seems like, what are the two, what's the other game other than Michigan that you would lose? Let's see what else here. Hmm. Stephen Colbert mentions Bielman never had a QB as good as DeVito at Wisconsin, though Bobo mentions Russell Wilson. There was the Russell Wilson year, which was actually a surprising disappointment for Brett Bielema. I think they were 9-3, and three, and they didn't even win a Big Ten that year, despite having Russell Wilson. This is from Kay Andrew. I'm not a one-game-at-a-time fan and don't think fans should be. The team should. But only game I'm thinking about is Purdue and clinching a trip to Indy. Can't shake that obsession since the Minnesota win. And... But I still love hearing the Michigan opinions, obviously. Well, Kay Andrew, let's let's focus in on the game before that, of course. Yes, Purdue's the one. It is. Even if you lose to Michigan State, Purdue is the one because you know Northwestern is, for all intents and purposes, a win. They suck. They're terrible. Awful. It, it should not be competitive for more than a few minutes when you're up there. And if you had a bit, let's say you had to go to Northwestern and win that game to secure the Big Ten West title. I think you're going to do that. I I trust this team that they would do that. So yes, regardless of what happens Saturday, Purdue is the game. I think what's going to happen is you will win Saturday. You will win handily on Saturday because Michigan State is a freaking mess. And then I've already thought about this, Andrew, and I don't know if you all are the same way in the YouTube live feed, but I've thought about the week leading up to Purdue. We actually have two days off school that week. We have Election Day and we have Veterans Day. So it's kind of nice. It breaks the week up. Because all week long, I would only be thinking about the game. All week long. And I, or tell me if you're in the same boat. Think about that anticipation of seven days just waiting for the Purdue game and knowing if we just win this game, we've clinched the Big Ten West. It's over. 
We'd be able to celebrate on the field these seniors like Palcheski, who just set the record for most starts, I think, 60. They would be able to celebrate a Big Ten title, division, but nonetheless, we'll take it, at home on senior day. Are you kidding me? Uh, That would be a long week. It, It would just be the anticipation every single day I'd be thinking about Illini football once every few minutes, which is essentially what I've been doing this fall so far. This is from Bobo. Let's get in the Nebraska game because I haven't really talked much about it. Like I, I mentioned, workmanlike is the word of the day, but there were still some impressive things, and Bobo starts us off here. And saying that the Illinois defense only gave up 29 yards in the second half, this defense is on another level. Yes, they are. 29 yards in the second half, the third quarter yet again dominant. And what is so encouraging to me What is so encouraging to me is that this team continues to come out of halftime and just smoke their opponents. The exception being Minnesota getting that early return and touchdown. But then you very quickly responded and then just took control in the second half. So whatever adjustments are being made, whoa. Again, the coaching is an A+. I mean, I don't know any other way that you could grade the coaching except an A+. I think we have the best staff in the Big Ten. To do what they've done in just two years, it's not just Bielema. It's that from the coordinators down to the position coaches, you have proven commodities that know what they're doing. And it's just so heartening to feel like, oh, well, we will not be outcoached. Weird things may happen. The ball may bounce a few different directions. The other team may out-execute you, but you are, you are going to tend to be in the right position. And that is a far cry from the reality that I'm used to as an Illini football fan. But yes, Bobo, 29 total yards for Nebraska in the second half. As I look at the stats here, let's start with the Illinois. Okay, do we have the team stats? Let me make sure. There. I want to start with team stats before I get to individual. 18 first downs for Illinois, nine first downs for Nebraska. That's it. Nebraska, two for 12 on third downs. Illinois, almost 50%, seven for 15. That's pretty impressive. Total yards, 367 for Illinois. Could have been more, but let's put it this way. If this were a one-possession game in the third quarter and you got to really start moving the ball and be a little bit more aggressive on offense, I think you could have gotten more than that. Your offense clearly went conservative in an effort to just bleed the clock, keep the defense fresh, and play ball control. And it worked. You got the win, and there was no sweat. From the minute you were up 20-9 to and you went into halftime, there was no sweat in this game. So total yards, 248 for Nebraska. That means that they had... Basically, 210, uh, 220 after a half. And then he held them to 29 total yards in the second. Oh, just incredible. Passing yards, Illinois, 179, 20 of 22, 8.1 yards per pass. Nebraska, 11 for 24, so less than 50%. And, oh, right, three interceptions. Laquan Martin won. He was just in the right place at the right time, scooped it. Sidney Brown, wow, terrible pass from the backup Purdy for Nebraska. And then what was the third one? Sidney Brown was the second. There was one, or Sidney Brown might have been the third. Did Devin Witherspoon get one yesterday? I think he did. By the way, there was a replay of Devin Witherspoon going toe-to-toe with Trey Palmer on a really deep post route. He was with him every step of the way. He was on him like, what's a phrase? (laughs) He was literally shielding him the entire time. It was just incredible to see him in action. And what I'm going to do with these next couple home games is really kind of hone in on him because he will be on Charlie Jones for sure in two weeks. And the Michigan State, Keon Clark, 
Keon something, I think, is their wide receiver who's a stud. I'll be watching that Saturday when Michigan State comes to town. Rushing, Illinois 188, Nebraska 60. Opponents cannot run against Illinois. Ibrahim was the exception with Minnesota, but other than that, you are keeping opponents from being able to run the ball. Eight penalties for 72 yards for Illinois. Three for 34, Nebraska. So you can say clean that up. But here's the thing. That doesn't really matter when they have four turnovers, you had one. And an inexplicable fumble lost by Isaiah Williams, who otherwise had a really good game. And I don't know what the fumbleitis is all about, but it was good to see him return a punt, I think, for 30 yards. So Isaiah was a big spark. He had a really fantastic game, even factoring in that fumble. Didn't matter at that point. But yeah, just another ho-hum get the job done and do so in dominating fashion kind of way. Tommy DeVito, the story for me, 20 for 22 is just crazy. One of those incompletions, he threw it away. So really only one legit incompletion. That's just insanity. Two touchdowns, no interceptions. The last time he threw an interception was the Virginia game. Rushing Chase Brown, 149 yards on 32 carries. DeVito with 37 on six. So that was a really good game for DeVito with his legs. Reggie Love had six carries for 12. There's something just not quite there. Whatever synergy exists between Chase Brown and the line doesn't exist with the line of Reggie Love, but that might also speak to just how good Chase Brown is. Josh McCray, one carry for four yards, and that was it. And Bielema addressed that after the game and said he didn't think that McCray was confident enough. And if you're coming back from an injury, excuse me, it, you got to get the mental component back first. So fortunately, you did not need Josh McCray in this game. You will need him coming up in a few moments. In certain moments, in certain games coming up, I think you will need him. Isaiah Williams, nine receptions for 93 yards. Tip Ryman, two receptions for 39. There were nice little tight end crossing patterns in the first half that worked out well. Casey Washington had a couple big catches for 16. I thought he had a good game. Luke Ford, one for 15. Chase Brown, three for 13. The only other negative, Brian Hightower, he did get a first down catch, but it was a three-yarder. Surprised that he wasn't utilized more against a bad passing D. Reggie Love had a reception. Hank Beatty, it was a bad play call, a screen to him that was a loss of three. And let's see, Johnny Newton recovered a fumble. Isaiah Williams lost a fumble. On defense, Sidney Brown was all over the place. Great game for him. The secondary, just incredible. And as I look at it, only two sacks technically, but plenty of hurries as well, and six tackles for loss. Yeah, so so pretty impressive stuff all the way around. But again, not a game that at the end of the season you're going to look back on and say, hey, remember the Nebraska game? This is one of those that was just, meh, whatever. Kind of like, in a way, the Virginia game, which at the time was shocking in its dominance, but now makes a lot of sense the way this team's playing. But if you were to say, well, what was your play of the game in the Virginia game? I, I don't know. You know, there were all the turnovers early that you overcame. Uh, there were there were a couple deep throws I think DeVito connected with, but overall that wasn't a game you look back on. And if there's a highlight reel or a DVD that comes out of season highlights, if they still did such a thing, not much time would be given to that Virginia game. Not much time I think would be given to this Nebraska game. But that's okay. That's fine. This is part of the five-game home stretch. You got your first one. You got four more to go, and you're feeling good going into those. Billy says, I don't think the overall stats do this game justice. justice. The story of this game was adjustments, and I think that's really it, Billy. It's just that the fact that this coaching staff continues to make the adjustments to not just win games, but to really just put the other team away, demoralize the other team, dominate the other team. This is domination this year. That's why I'm not going to say very good anymore. This is a great Illini football team. It's Good would be 
five and two and just finding ways to win. This is a team that is dictating how games are played and on both sides of the ball. And we hear complimentary football a lot, but when you are holding the ball, this is a top five team nationally for time of possession, coupled with a top five defense. That that plays. And the game's coming up. Purdue is not a time of possession team. They sling the ball left and right. They do not have time of possession. And that's strength against strength. They're passing offense against our secondary. It should be fun. I trust our guys in the secondary against Purdue. Same with Michigan State. Their strength is passing, certainly not running. Time of possession is neither of those teams' forte. It is for you. And I trust our offense against those defenses, and I really trust our defense against those passing offenses. Michigan is a team, similar to Illinois, that is going to be ball control, time of possession, and that'll be a one-possession game late. And which defense is going to have just a little bit more energy to make the stop? I don't know. I trust that our offense, as they've done all year, is going to be able to hold the ball for 35 minutes or so and make the other team eventually fold. I love it. I mean, it's just so, so... I didn't know how exciting or fun it would be to have a team that just sort of, I don't know. I mean, you know, that, that's the thing. There was a violence with the defense, but if you think about it in terms of style points overall, it's not like this is Big 12, five wideouts scoring 52 points a game, but I'm realizing there's beauty in what they're doing with this. What's the highest point total they've had this year against a Big 10 opponent? 34 against Wisconsin. I thought this is going to be a 40-point affair in Lincoln, Nebraska, and it wasn't. And on one hand, I would say beforehand, oh, well, that'd be a disappointment if we don't score 35, 40 points. But then in hindsight, having watched it, I appreciate it for what it is. It makes sense. You could call it conservative, but here's the thing. Brett Bielema, when he came in, I think he said something to the effect of, you know, we don't want to beat ourselves. And I know that he's harped on basically, you know, A lot of times, teams lose games more than they win them. This team is playing winning football, not just because they aren't making mistakes, right? They aren't making crucial mistakes. But additionally, they're just dominating almost every facet. Yardage gained. Yardage allowed. Time of possession. And then, most importantly, scoreboard, where you still won by three possessions against Nebraska. All right, from Tiffin. JT, another huge addition outside of his field goals was Caleb Griffin kicking the ball into the end zone. Yes. How nice was that? Four touchbacks. Nebraska did return two. I think the last one they returned, the guy got it from the corner of the end zone, and then he. I think we tackled him the 19-20 yard line. Fine, you can do that. Uh, that is such a load off to think that when it really comes down to it, if you need to kick it out of the end zone, you can, that will come in handy. So it was great to see Caleb Griffin get his confidence back. I think it's actually long-term. Okay. That Pintone or Pinton, excuse me Fabrizio missed that opening extra point and it gave the coaching staff what they needed to just say, okay, Caleb, you're back. And that Caleb responded the way he did. I think he was asked after the game about that. And he even mentioned, yeah, this was a season he was looking forward to. Didn't start the way he wanted. Why not have this be another one of those feel-good stories of a local kid done good who closes out the year strong? I mean, that 52-yarder that we called the timeout right before, that was true. That would have been good from 55 or 60, perhaps. Right down the middle, no doubt about it. And even though that didn't count, he said himself it helped build the confidence. So that could bode huge as this team goes forward. 
K. Andrews says, not going forward on that fourth and short was fine for me. Seven and a half minute drive, uh, three points when our defense is... Yeah, I, I thought the same thing, K. Andrew. At first, I thought, go for it. And then Caleb made it. And that was when he went up 17, I believe, right? That made it a three-possession game. Is that right? Regardless, it made sense in hindsight. And it really killed two birds with one stone. It put the game out of reach. And it gave your kicker some confidence. So that's that's pretty impressive. Bobo has some Chase Brown stats, of which there are many. Chase Brown is two games away from matching Robert Holcomb for the most 100-yard rushing games in program history. Also, Chase is now in the top five for career rushing yards in Illinois history after passing one of my all-time favorites, Rocky Harvey. How about that? Chase Brown, man, he's special. Let me get a quick drink here. I'm parched. Uh, Don't you love dead air on a podcast? I apologize for that. This is what happens when you go to a rock and roll show. You know, as I was driving down to Louisville yesterday, I was listening to music and then I listened to the Ohio State-Penn State game and I got to be honest, I was trying not to think too much about the Illinois game because the the good nerves, I'm going to call them the good nerves, were starting to creep in for the Illinois game. And I this is why sometimes I prefer the 11 a.m. I just hate waiting. It builds anticipation and you start puckering up when maybe you have no reason to. And then you go down nine to six. And the approach that I took when Minnesota got the touchdown in the second half against Illinois and the approach that I took yesterday is good. A little bit of adversity. Let's let's see how they respond. Well, so far, so good. You know, like not at all flustered. And from that moment on, they outscored Nebraska 23 to nothing. Is that it? So no questions about this team's ability to respond to adversity. I, I think that there will be more adversity to come, but I just love the fact the next two games are at home. If the Purdue game were on the road, I would be a little bit more nervous. I would be. Because it's it just with everything on the line, you just kind of want to be on your turf for it. And this team seems to play with a level of comfort at Memorial Stadium. And and I like the fact that this Michigan State game, and we're, let's talk about Michigan State. I like the fact this Michigan State game is going to be really an introduction to them to what a full house is like against an opponent that's going to be reeling. And I don't know if we have YouTube Live, if you guys have seen any news, if there are any suspensions yet, because there will be. There has to be. I mean, I don't know what kind of precedent it would set to suspend Mel Tucker for basically lack of control over his program. I don't don't think you can do that because he wasn't punching anybody. But boy, oh boy, uh, they're a mess. And I like that this game Saturday, I mean, it's going to be a great day for tailgating. It's going to be unseasonably warm, maybe a few raindrops, but whatever. And probably, presumably, a sold-out crowd. So this team gets basically a warm-up at home for the Purdue game. A team coming in at Michigan State, what's their strength? Passing. They have a pretty good quarterback. Peyton Thorne's pretty good. They got some good wideouts. Is their passing offense as prolific as Purdue's? It's not. But I think you need to take the a page from what Wisconsin did against Purdue. Yes, Purdue got a couple scores late, but that game was a blowout. And I, I know on one hand you would say, well, this will probably be competitive because Purdue's not bad. I think Purdue is, that, that's true. They are not bad, and they have the ability to put up 400 passing yards. And they're running back. I don't want to, I don't want to forget Maccabee, I think the guy's name is who's a walk-on who's actually performing pretty well. But we've seen Purdue just kind of stink up the joints sometimes. And they, they are apt to do that. So I would be 
not at all surprised if Illinois wins a somewhat tight 23 to 17 game or something, or if Illinois wins like 42 to 10. But this Michigan State game is perfect. It's perfect timing before you have everything on the line against Purdue. Big Ten East opponent, we'll see by, by playing Michigan State, is, is there really a big difference between the East and West other than the teams at the top? Yes, there was the Indiana game, and it's kind of funny. When I stopped to get my McDonald's Diet Coke, I was in the middle of Indiana, and there was a guy in a Hoosier shirt, and I had my Juice shirt on. And I'm, I wonder if, he, if he's a football fan, he'd be thinking, man, look at this guy with the Illinois shirt. Who would have thought? After we beat them, that they would be seven and one, and Indiana would be what three and four, I think, or maybe three and five. Yeah, I mean that game, that night, I didn't feel very good about it, and I thought, oh God, are we going right down the road to another five and seven season because we lost a game we shouldn't have? Well, no, you're seven and one. With Michigan State coming in, this is a program that's reeling, of course, and in watching the replays of what happened to Ann Arbor last night, you know I have no love lost for Michigan. I, I think they are pompous. I think the arrogance runs rampant up there, and I get it because having been to Ann Arbor and run through the campus and their athletic facilities, it does reek of class. Yeah, I mean, it it just aesthetically looks badass, and the, the blue and the yellow and everything's just very grand up there. If I were a Michigan fan, I'd feel the same way too. I would. Their 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 football history is... Pretty damn impressive, and they should have a little bit of bluster, but they also have this, you know, would you like any gray poupon sort of properness to them. They, they, they fancy themselves a little fancier than other Big Ten schools. And, you know, hey, they can do that, I guess, at the likes of Ohio State, but don't pull that with me, man. University of Illinois is a high-class institution. All that said, though, Michigan State's in the wrong here. I don't care what the Michigan guy would have said yesterday. The second video that came out yes came out today, excuse me, Barstool, I think, had it. Was it Barstool or maybe Awful Announcing? I forget. But there was a Michigan State player taking his helmet and using it as a weapon against a Michigan player's head. You hit that head a certain way, you got a cranial injury that could be like bad news. And I know people say, oh, what, is he going to die? Well, probably not. But if you hit him the right way, there is a chance. <laughs> this is not a fist fight. This is taking a helmet and using it as a weapon. That's after the first video which came out, which is just a bunch of guys in white jerseys knocking the crap out of one Michigan player. And I don't care what either of those Michigan players would have said. You don't do that. So Mel Tucker, as a Bears fan, I can attest to this. He's not good. I think he went back and coached for Nick Saban right before he took the Colorado job. So he had a coordinating gig after he stunk at the Bears back in college, got the Colorado gig. Now he's at Michigan State, and he's there for another eight and a half years, according to his contract. Or nine and a half, excuse me, because he just got the 10-year extension before this year. I think about $10 million per year. This will go down as one of the worst contracts in college sports history. He stinks. And I'm not at all surprised. You know, I remember when they got that big contract. And, you know, when you win 10 games, it's understandable. And when you also understand it because, as Jeremy alluded to, when he stopped down here for a podcast a few weeks ago, they had shades of Nick Saban. They didn't want to lose their guy again if an SEC school came calling. But sometimes, you know, it's right there in front of you and you can just kind of get a vibe or you can get a read on somebody. And Mel Tucker is just kind of a goof, but he's Ron Zook-esque. I think, you know, it's alluring because he can certainly attract talent and he may still do that, 
But for this to be already totally messed up, the season after you win 10 games, to be 3-5, and five, to be this bad doing it, with no really discernible strengths in terms of offense or defense. You know, I was listening to some Michigan and Michigan State podcasts today. I did not understand how much those two teams hate each other. I really didn't. I do remember one time, the first time Karen and I went to the big house, we're going again in a few weeks, but the first time was Lovey's first year and Jim Harbaugh's first year. And we sat next to this Michigan guy and he asked where we were from because I had my Illinois stuff on and Kara was just wearing like navy blue or something. And, you know, it got it came up that she went to Michigan State and he made some joke like, oh, well, can you read or, you know, something like that, basically saying, oh, you're Michigan State. So academically. And she was like, well, no, I got accepted into Michigan, too, but I chose to go to Michigan State. And you get that sometimes. I'm going to get that in Ann Arbor. I'm going to love it. I'm going to love the fact that I can walk into Ann Arbor and actually think like, wait, my team is a threat to their national title hopes. I'm going to love that. I'm going to embrace it. And if someone says something, hey. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. And you guys already know how I think it's going to go. But I did not realize how much violent anger there is between these two teams. And I listened to a Michigan State podcast, and I don't even know the guy's name, but it's one of those locked on podcasts. And it was pretty bad. He's like, I don't really care who did what, and hey, this is what happens. No, 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 no. This is not just something that happens. And I actually think he may be in the minority in terms of what Michigan State fans feel like. Because I know... When I texted Kara this morning and said, oh, God, did you see you see what happened? And then my buddy Nate, same thing. They're embarrassed, you know, because they're alums. They went to Michigan State. They have pride in being a Spartan, especially with basketball. But, you know, Kara was in school when Mark D'Antonio was having his greatest success. Uh, my buddy Nate, some of the same, he was there for the early part of the D'Antonio era. The tail end of, oh, my God, Bobby Smith. What was that guy's name? Oh, my God. He coached at Louisville, and then he was at... Michigan State. He was right before D'Antonio and YouTube live feed. If you can help me out, I think his last name was Smith. Regardless, they had pride in where they went to school and why not? Because there was a lot of success on the field and on the court when they were there. And it is a pretty cool campus. I got to admit, very different from the U of I. It's much more sprawling, but just like the University of Michigan, you get it. When you go to the Michigan State campus, you understand why it is a place that would instill pride in the people that went there. So they're embarrassed. They're totally embarrassed. John Smith. Thank you, John L. Smith. (laughs) Oh, my God. Now, this is going to be interesting as we get into Saturday's game. Because, yes, what Michigan State did was ridiculous, and they should be punished. And K. Andrew, it looks like you said, okay, I'm so bitter and biased against Kevin Warren that I think MSU gets punished fairly solely because Warren knows they play us on Saturday. I know how stupidly irrational that is. Sorry. Oh, you meant... MSU doesn't get punished fairly. I, I think they'll get punished quite fairly and they'll get the hammer thrown down on them because that was something that's getting national attention and is a black eye, not just on Michigan State, but Big Ten. And when this is a game of money and perception and image, you can't mess around with that. And I don't know if Dan Gilbert, who's the big MSU alum that I think paid for a lot of this contract, I mean, he's, he can print money, essentially. If this gets bad enough, you would almost wonder if they just pulled the plug entirely on Mel Tucker. I would not be shocked if they did. And honestly, it'd probably be the right move. It's not going to work. It's not going to work with Mel Tucker. And he's embarrassing you in the process. Okay, so we will see what comes down from the Big Ten. I imagine it'll be pretty heavy. I imagine there will be quite a few Michigan State players 
that will not be in attendance on Saturday. Moreover, this is a distraction. They won't have a good week of practice. How could you? And you're going to start seeing players check out a little bit. I mean, how can you have faith in your coach? You know how many guys in that locker room are like, you knuckleheads. They probably look at the guys that were throwing their helmet at that Michigan guy and thinking, oh my God, coach brought in a complete nimrod. I mean, this is where fractures and fissions really, fissures, excuse me, start to appear. And that's not going to bode well for a Michigan State team that probably wouldn't beat Illinois anyway. When Vegas already lists the spread at 14, 15, 16 points, that indicates to me that they anticipate there are suspensions coming. But even in the absence of those, I told you that I think Illinois and Michigan are similar teams. Therefore, you looked at Michigan as a 22.5-point favorite against MSU, I think. So it makes sense that Illinois is 14, 15, 16-point favorites, regardless of who does or does not get suspended. We're going to talk midweek about this game Saturday. I'll put it this way, though. I am looking forward to a full day of tailgating in unseasonably warm early November weather, and I have no concerns. I said that before the Minnesota game, and that was a Minnesota team that has their stuff together, relatively speaking, and absolutely smoked this Michigan State team, by the way. I think you can do the same. I really do. I think there's something about post-bye week, get your mojo back, which they did in the last two and a half quarters against Nebraska. Get your mojo back, and now let's cruise. Now we're back into the swing, and you're home. You're home. Well, you've been pretty darn good this year. And the defense, especially, has been absolutely phenomenal. So, yeah, Barker, Daniel Barker at Michigan State. Whoops. Listen, not going to blame him. He didn't get used as much as he should have last year, so I understand why he made the move that he did, but I'm sure he is second-guessing that right now. And Tiffin says, I saw Barker in the first video for a split second, but not sure if he participated in any of that. Yeah, I'm not sure either, but we will get something to come down and maybe even legal action against Michigan State. I mean, the guy that threw the helmet, that's different than fisticuffs. That's using a weapon. Also, that's just a chicken, you know what thing to do. It is. Um, just do it on the field. You're already knocking the crap out of each other out there. Late hit or something on the field. I mean, it's a rivalry. It's it's two teams that hate each other. I, I get it to an extent, but that is just, it's dirty. So it'll be interesting to see. I, I was looking all day for more Michigan State podcast because it's always fun to listen to these guys talk when their program is going through some turmoil and see how they're responding to it. And the one that I heard, boy, oh boy, this, well, this guy was, it, it was pretty terrible. <laughs> Every other word was, look, look, well, let me t- look. And for some reason he kept cl- clapping into the microphone to accentuate certain words. Regardless, listening to that, I thought, boy, I hope that's not the mindset of most Michigan State fans. And I don't think it is. I think they're embarrassed and pretty much checked out on the season and probably checked out on Mel Tucker. Good thing is that Tom Ezzo seems to be adapting well to name image likeness. Not, which by the way, is a preview of my Halloween costume for tomorrow. Karen and I are going as Wayne and Garth. She's Wayne, I'm Garth. Yesterday for the My Morning Jacket show in Louisville, me and my buddy went as Terrence and Phillip, which if you can see on YouTube, um, it, the masks are right here. I'm pointing at it. Made those myself with some construction paper from Hobby Lobby. The Terrence and Phillip costumes were a big hit, and uh, everybody loves the, the Canada's number one comic duo. This is fun though, right? Seven to one, Illinois football, kicking ass. This is the best Illinois football team I've seen, I think. That's a discussion we can have as the season goes on, and we still got four more games to go, and we'll see how it ends up. But I really do think they are the most balanced 
Illinois team I've seen. And statistically speaking, they are the most dominant. We could argue they have not had that signature win because they haven't played a great schedule thanks to a, a weak Big Ten West. But they've they can only play the schedule in front of them, and they have not just snuck out of these games with wins. They've done so in very convincing fashion. This is fun. And the fact that we had like 25 people on a Sunday afternoon popping in, I, that, that shows you how fun it is. You should be watching NFL football and you're watching me talk. So thank you for that. And thank you, Illini Football, for getting all our interest in this because I'm trying to consume every bit of Illini media that I can myself. All right, we'll be back midweek. Got to thank DP Doe, uh, online at dpdoe.com. That is dpdoe.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana at dpdoe.com. Also, Rector Construction, online at rectorconstruction.com for all your home exterior projects. That's rectorconstruction.com. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Get your furnace check today. Mention the 200 level and get 10% off your furnace check. Call 217-841-4728. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. And State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business renters, you name it. Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well. That's brianismyguy.com. A lot I inquire in the Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Appreciate their partnership and appreciate your support listeners at home and those watching on YouTube Live. A reminder to rate and review us if you can on Apple Podcast or Spotify. Name of this podcast was The New Normal because I think that's what this is. This has longevity. The The fun of this is not just, oh, wow, I'm enjoying this moment. The fun of it is we are seeing the start of something that will change the way we look at our fall Saturdays. And my whole life, that's all I've wanted, just to be able to look forward to my football Saturdays more than just for the tailgate. And I think we may have arrived at that point. I hope you're enjoying it as much as I am. We'll be back later this week, probably Wednesday evening, to get ready for, oh, Michigan State. Oh, boy, oh, boy. I think it's going to be a pretty fun Saturday out in the lots in a Memorial Stadium. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you in a few days. It is the 200 level.